This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! They all they're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, Our introductory show tonight features our Grindhouse Pizzeria, which is dedicated to all things Grindhouse and exploitation. Whether it's extra cheesy or loaded with meat. You'll always get a belly full of hot, nasty goodness. Come on in, pull up a chair and grab you a slice. Hello? Is anybody home? Sally, I hear something. Stop! Texas Chainsaw Massacre from New Line Cinema. Rated R. No one under 17 admitted without parent or guardian. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right, folks. Welcome to Cinema Degeneration. This is show number five. We're welcoming our special guest, uh, Jim O'Rear. Say hi to everybody, Jim. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> There's a man who needs no introduction. That's why I'm introducing him. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I've known Jim for many years. We were uh, talking a little bit before the show here about some of our past exploits, and we do mean exploits. On a, on a show about grindhouse and exploitation, there's nothing but exploits. But uh, <laughs> we started making movies together, gosh, it was in 2003, 2004? I don't I even it remember. It's been, a, it's been a long time ago. I don't remember exactly, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's been about a decade and a half. We're going up on twenty years here, but uh, we've uh, worked on several films together, uh, acted in each other's films, written each other's films, directed each other's films. First and foremost, we're both fans, which is what uh, brings us here today. We're doing one of the big ones. Uh, we weren't going to start off with uh, quite a doozy like this, but uh, you know what the hell? With, with a special guest like this, we might as well do a special movie. We're doing the 1974, the one, the only, the original, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Except no imitations, no substitutions. Exactly. And, I'll, know, be really, to, I'll be glad to, to help you ruin the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, well, the thing is, like, I, I was uh, saying this on another show I did. You know, with the movie being out quite this long. You know, it's it's definitely not spoiler free. We're not going to, you know, there's no need to like, oh, oh, wait, there's a man named Leatherface. He kills people with a chainsaw. Right, he wears right. their skin. 
One, if you've tuned into this show and you don't know this movie, you've apparently stumbled into the wrong direction. And let me redirect you to maybe uh, the Little House on the Prairie show. There's a little show like that. Uh, Back to the Future, some more lighthearted fare like that. Not talking about that. We're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And if you're here and don't know who Leatherface is, we don't really need you. <laughs> we don't need that kind of negativity in our lives. <laughs> or maybe maybe they're just they're like they're old like me and have been hit in the head a lot from stunt work and they don't remember who Leatherface is, which we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how much I remember as we start talking about the movie and stuff like that. So if I get if if I start talking about like like, oh, remember that time that that part where Leatherface came out of the lake and drugged the camp counselor down into the water with him? <laughs> um, just say, no, like, that's the wrong movie. <laughs> just like, no, 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 un- un- Uncle Jim, come this, this this way. Look this way. Left turn. Left turn, right, Uncle Jim. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wrong franchise. <laughs> and that's one thing uh, I want to talk about first and foremost with this movie is it has spawned a lot of sequels. A lot of bad sequels <laughs> one really good one i'll get into that later and the the rest re- really bad is the case of uh, where less is more it would have been i think a more of an impact of a film if it had just been uh the original or at least the original two i don't not not to uh diss anybody that's made any of the other sequels because we all know how hard it is just to make a movie period anymore you know, so anybody that can make a completed film, I at least give them a, a thumbs up and points for that. But uh, yeah, all these uh, prequels and, and sequels and reimaginings, and and I, I hear there's another reimagining coming out. It, it doesn't need to be reinvented. No, it's the original was what it was, and it was groundbreaking and different, and and all that, and then. Um, you know, then, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the others, but I, you know, the second one I, I thought was a hilarious comedy. Um, (laughs) but, but after that, I didn't take it too serious. No, no, I thought it was hilarious. Um, and, uh, you know, super dark comedy, which I appreciate that for what it is, but the rest of them, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't really speak too badly about the, the very first remake um, with Jessica Biel and all that, um, even though it was, you know, different, different tone, different everything. Um, but overall, yeah. I, I appreciated it. One. I appreciate it for what it was. Yeah. You know, yeah. for, for the, the attempt to put in. Yeah, the rest I would prefer but, not to even remember. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! There's the there there's a couple that there was a a prequel that just came out. I think the very last one. I don't even remember what they called it. It might have just been Leatherface. It's pretty bad when they come up with a sequel, or that's supposed to be a reboot. That's just the same title as the third movie. So there's technically two different movies called Leatherface. Yeah. And, I mean, let, let's face it. From the opening frames and the of the, the the film, the opening credit sequence, it has one of the most memorable, and it's just these polarizing close-up shots with you know somebody's sewing somebody's you know we what we find out later is somebody's sewing or cutting and whatnot and you're getting these little close-ups with the little photograph sounds coming in and it's such an eerie way to start a movie and i really can't think of any other movie that quite starts this way 
No, and that and that sound too, whatever that sound is that they use for the the photographs and stuff. I mean, once you hear that, uh, you you don't ever forget that sound. <laughs> no, no, I, I actually had it as a uh, phone ringtone, and uh, it went off <laughs> one time when I was shopping at a Kohl's, <laughs> and somebody was just like, "Yep," <laughs> from across the store. I'm like, I'm like. Even at a cold, somebody knows. Somebody. Yeah, you don't forget that sound. I don't know who, if, and, you know, like a lot of low-budget movies and stuff like that, the whole design or, or that, you know, that sound, however it came together, was probably a complete accident. Uh, but it was brilliant. Oh, I'm sure it was. It was a was. brilliant accident. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure whoever came up with it was probably not even intending for that to happen. It was just like, yeah, it'll work. And then it just becomes iconic and you know and, that opening shot that opening shot of the body sitting on on the gravestone is is just slowly pulling back it is actually the, one of the few times i've really really appreciated you know me i love retro media vhs and laser disc and all that kind of stuff but uh what i appreciated getting the 4k version of chainsaw was that opening scene you see all the detail and all the effects work that went into making that cadaver corpse whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it that was impaled on it and this every little hair every little detail it it feels like such a i've heard well i've heard it described as very documentary style but it to me it doesn't feel so much like a documentary it feels like you're watching something almost snuff film like like you're almost like a fly on the wall just watching real life yeah. kind of pass by it doesn't so much feel like a documentary but it feels like you know you, you're just having to catch a moment of these people's lives yeah any 16 millimeter i never i i never thought that it seemed like looked like felt like anything like a, a documentary um you know except for that very opening with the photographs and john larroquette's narration and and all that um you know that kind of starts it out going well here's here's the story here's the police file and now here's the movie and then it becomes a movie to me not not a documentary at all it, it and yeah more like more like a, a snuff film that you're just kind of watching it play out like you're watching something happen to these happening to these unfortunate people, you know, not necessarily our heroes, but our 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 uh, main characters, and you're just watching, you know, the slow descent into madness, especially of Sally. You're it it, it just feels like something dirty, like you shouldn't be watching, like you know, you, <laughs> like you should be helping, like you feel like oh, I should be helping these people, and like no, don't go in there, don't do this, don't touch that, you know, don't approach the the farmhouse out there, you know, it's it's, it's not like uh, every movie where you go into every kind of uh, horror movie, and you want to scream at people, you know, don't run upstairs, you know, don't drop the knife. Almost every step of the way with these people, you want to kind of yell, just don't do everything that you're doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you get to a certain point in the movie, too, where, where you just you want to just you just stop wanting to warn the people because you just can't anymore. <laughs> right. It's just like you spend every second going, ah, no, 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 they're not going to hear me. Ah, ah, but no, no, what am I going to say? They're not going to get to hear me. You know, and when they finally get to the point where they pick up uh, Edwin Neal, who, you, you know, you always hear everybody talk about 
uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you don't hear a lot of people mention Edwin. You know, yeah. we always mention Gunner, which love Gunner. Obviously, we both we both have worked with Gunner, you know, and I have mad love for him. I have mad love for Leatherface. But the shining character for me is it's a 50 50. It, it's it's 50 50 Edwin and 50 50 Jim uh, Sadow. Yeah. You know, because those two characters together, they're so there's they're so po- such polar opposites of each other, you know, of, of this this family of fucking cannibals that we have but you know i always saw you know leatherface is the enforcer of the of the group the one that you know lays down the law you know when things need to go down but you know edwin and the minute he comes on camera he's just i don't know what it is about him some people have that it factor and edwin neal is definitely as as the hitchhiker is someone who has that it factor yeah, that's when that's what uh, that's what hooked me in the movie was at that point. I wasn't invested in the movie or anything up until the point where they pick up Ed. And then at that point, I just went things just went completely wrong. And now I got to see what happens. But it was Ed that kind of sucked me in. And, and he was for for a long time. The Hitcher was um, was my favorite character. And and then Leatherface kind of you know snuck up in there and i got to like him more and like him more and now they're they're pretty much even for me is is i love leatherface and the hitcher um not to take anything away from side out he's brilliant i thought he was great in in the second one also um but uh, but ed definitely is the the turning point right at the beginning of that film that makes you know that you've now just gone somewhere that you don't want to go <laughs> Right, that's kind of the point where you realize, okay, we've went from frying pan to fire. Yeah. Now with the introduction of this character, there's essentially no turning back. Bad things are going to happen. You know, it's, it's uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a it's a very simple f- film. Uh, a couple of uh, friends, a handful of friends, and some fa- uh, uh, a couple of siblings get together. They travel, you know, on a road trip in Texas to go visit, you know, their grandfather's grave, and they just. Happen to make a wrong turn and and go messing around and you know as uh, like Jim Sedell says in the movie they go messing around old house. <laughs> you want to go messing around those things are dangerous. You're liable to get hurt. <laughs> and that and and it's true. It's very foreboding. You know, and it's like you know, and anybody that could watch that movie, that could watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre the first time and not know that something is up with uh, our illustrious cook. <laughs> the bar- the barbecue man is running a barbecue shack, creepy barbecue shack with one of the, you know, the, I don't know what was wrong with that guy that was washing the windows and whatnot. <laughs> and, and what happened to him <clears throat> while we're at it? You know, since we're just jumping around all, all around here, what happened to the lopsided head crooked eye guy that was washing windows with like an entire bucket of suds, you know, one window. What, what whatever happened to him? He just never popped back up again. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? He was probably a college kid that had to go back to school and couldn't finish the movie. But uh, <laughs> he yeah, was probably a whole other character that, that. Exactly, exactly. Who knows? Hooper probably you know may have had plans for him or something. But I think I think they kind of um, they they sort of touch on that a little bit 
in in a way in the remake of it with all the little different family members and the little crazy kid running around and stuff like that um i think it's just a hint that it's um and again probably completely by accident as things are in low budget films but um you could really take it as just kind of a hint or a clue that um this family is much bigger and could be more out there somewhere kind of be like more all over the place exactly exactly and then you know as they go into to chainsaw 2 i know we're focusing on chainsaw 1 but as you go into chainsaw 2 and you know they're kind of moving around the country um around texas and stuff anyway uh you know it just sort of opens it up to uh there's there's more going out there or going on out there than just this particular group of family members in this house Right, there's uh, additional atrocities going on all over the place, but yeah, yeah, that's that. I never thought of it that way, but I always, always till now, kind of thought of like, what the hell happened to that character? Was that just a guy that showed up for a day or two, and then couldn't couldn't make it to set anymore? And like you said, had another guy that just had to go to, back to school and couldn't, you know, play hooky to go make movies with everybody. Yeah, I'm sure that's <laughs> the. I'm sure that's the more uh, the more realistic story um as to what happened but um i i think as an indie filmmaker you you would take the spin of oh no it's just a hint that they're yep. it's a much <laughs> larger family and world out there so <laughs> exactly you, you make always make it seem as if that was planned exactly exactly I, I don't know how many films i've made and people have 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 you know drawn these crazy conclusions oh well this means this and this foreshadowing and this shows such and such and i'm like well okay but you know i was just it, that's just the way i shot it <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it just ended up that way sometimes it's just luck exactly <laughs> ed was telling me ed neil was telling me you know when on the set and stuff too you know it's it's when you're making those low budget films um and same thing with chainsaw he was telling me on chainsaw that you know a lot of that stuff was like that that they would just sort of be sitting around waiting for something to happen and just hope that the cameras were rolling when something happened that they caught <laughs> that they could throw in there so <laughs> Well, hell, when we were making postmortem America, there was a couple of times that you know s some things were never planned, and they were planned literally seconds before we turned the camera on, like the infamous hand gag with the the final zombie. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you know, somebody, it's somebody, it's, it's usually somebody doing the old, you know, what you ought to do or what you exactly. could do, and you're just like, well, <laughs> we have the camera rolling, just you know, like let's just fucking see what happens here. And that's the fun and the freedom you have with indie and low budget films and stuff like that. You know, you're not being beat by that Hollywood system that you can go ahead and take some risks and try something. Right. You can, you know, experiment a little bit, try something wild. I mean, let's face it, you know, back in uh, 73 when this was being made, they w couldn't have never got made this made with a major studio, it's especially, you know, with the content the way it was. I and mean, especially, let's talk about the content. Really, it. You know, it, it got in so much trouble back in the day and got banned, like, literally, like, ev everywhere. And there's very, very little violence in it. Very little on-screen violence. Yeah. And, and even less on-screen blood for a movie with Chainsaw in the title. Yeah, it's one of those that, you know, with that, it, that whole crazy 
the Hollywood system of where they say, well, the tone, it's the tone. And okay, yeah, I get it. It's it it is very ugly and 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 sleazy and carries that, you know, it's kinda like maniac. I know you did a show on maniac and you know, after you watch maniac, yeah, you have to take a shower. Um so yeah, it's, you kinda you kinda want to. Yeah, so so I get it. You know, Chainsaw is that same kind of thing. It's gritty and raw and dirty and ugly, and and I get the whole the whole tone and and you know that's is the way it makes people feel. But do we do we really want to ban movies or give them X ratings and things like that because of of a tone? That's just that's silly. Yeah, I think it's a a bit ridiculous. But then again, I've always thought some of the 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 standards and practices of, of the ratings board is a little ridiculous anyway. <laughs> but I guarantee you, if, this... if, if they would have done that with a big budget, they, they wouldn't have had all that, that problem. Cause you know, with Jaws, what Jaws was, wasn't that like 75 or something? It was like well, a couple of years after. Yeah. It was only a year or two later. I... Yeah. And, and it comes out from a big studio and that's a pretty, it's a, a tense, that's a very tense movie like Chainsaw. Um, again, it's another one of those that it doesn't really have a lot of blood. A lot of it's implied, of course, because the shark didn't work and stuff like that, much like Chainsaw is. <laughs> um, you know, Chainsaw is very implied. You know, you don't see things that you think you see, just like just like Jaws. And, um, and yet when the big studio releases like Jaws, that gets a PG rating. Chainsaw would have got a PG rating, right. I think, if <laughs> if if a big studio had been behind it. Oh yeah, yeah. I think if, if it was solely because it had Chainsaw in the title, right? I think that that was a lot of it. It wasn't it wasn't a Hollywood budget film, and it had the word Chainsaw in the title. I think if it had just been called, you know, you know, Bloodbath in Texas, even or something, <laughs> you know. But I think that uh, you know, I remember reading somewhere, and I wish I knew more information on this. But it had did have something to do with the fact that Chainsaw was in the title. They were just you know, the ratings boards and whatnot. People just had a, a hard on for it. it. Was like, really? I mean, it's, I, I can I can think of so many more things to be upset about. Yes, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, it's the, it's the same type of people that's just like, it's a horrible movie, it's gross, it's disgusting. It, 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 have you seen it? Of course, <laughs> the answer is always no. No, I would never watch anything like that. Exactly. And how do you know? Exactly. I don't like rom-coms. You know, I, I don't like romantic comedies, hate rom-coms. How do I know? Because I've seen a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and they're just, uh, it's... It, it's a now it's an effective movie i mean yeah it it's gonna play on your your mind and stuff like that and 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 it, it is one of those films that you know they don't make movies like like that anymore now most most movies i watch now i will walk away from and probably 30 minutes later have already forgotten half of the movie but right. back then when they were making films like chainsaw you know, they had those very um, iconic things that just jumped out at you. One that we, we mentioned was that that sound of the, you know, the photograph sounds. There's, you know, I will never forget Gunner slamming that door after he just knocks the guy in the head with a hammer and drags him in. I mean, that to me, just that image just 
burns. Yeah, yeah, and and the the tone that that musical sting, that tone that happens when he slams slams the door, it's, it feels so final. It makes you jump every, every time. Even now, having seen it dozens and dozens of times, I I've lost track with how many times it makes me jump. Still, every time I know it's coming. Exactly. It's just got it's you know, and and the the movies back then, you know, especially some of the lower budget ones like that. Um, they did things like that that just really made an impact, and um, and and there are a few. Like I say, I have I, I have really bad memory loss from age and multiple concussion syndrome, um, <laughs> but I still remember to this day very specific. <laughs> I'm only I'm only only Chainsaw. giggling because I've 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 I have the same issues. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> But yeah, there are very, very specific things in that film that just jump out like that. Well, you know, there's there's little lines because uh, there's little lines of dialogue that I've incorporate incorporated into my everyday life. I know anybody with the name of Jerry. I cannot say their name like like Jerry Reeves that we know we all know and love Jerry Reeves and you know he's an acting friend of ours but every time I know a few other people named Jerry I can't do it without going Jerry <laughs> Jerry <laughs> hey Jerry you know it's just stupid things like that and and it has you know for, for a movie that doesn't say much and uh, in the ter- in in terms of dialogue there's not a whole lot of dialogue you know, there's a lot of instances of silence, but the, has some memorable lines. I still to this day will just for no reason blurt out, look what your brother did to the door. Yes, I love that. For no reason, just <laughs> just for shits and giggles. And it's just a great, great line. And, you know, everybody is just so good. Uh, I mean, even Paul Partain, who I, from what I understand, not a lot of people uh, enjoyed his company or, li- or liked him very, very much on, on the set because he was so into character that he literally became the, you know, our invalid, uh, Sally's invalid, inv- I can't speak right tonight, Sally's <laughs> invalid brother, Franklin. Hey, there we go. You know, who who's really almost as almost as creepy as a member of the, the, the Sawyer family because of the way that he just has fascination with the the slaughterhouse and in a way he's always tearing up the van with the knife. I I do remember the first time watching it thinking that he was going to turn out to be one of the killers. I thought that like, you know, when I was little, when I was probably like, you know, 12 years old, I think was when the first time I saw uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre because part two, it came out in 86 and I couldn't see, you know, I was just like any other kid. I'm not going to watch part two without seeing part one first. And then I watched it. I'm like, Oh, this guy's trouble. This guy's going to end up killing people. And no, he was actually pretty harmless. He was just a little weird. Yeah, he was, uh, when I first watched it, I, I just, I wanted him to die. So they just needed to kill him off. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't kill him off quick enough. You know, and I almost hate saying that, like, yeah, the, the, the guy who's an invalid in the wheelchair, please kill him first. But yeah, I'm kind of saying it. He was... You know, I'd have pushed. I, I, I'd, have, I'd have tripped them. I'd have tripped them in his wheelchair in front of Leatherface and ran. You know, <laughs> Sally. I think did, it, Sally didn't abandon him quick enough. I think it's funny that you mentioned that you, you know, you, you hadn't seen 
Chainsaw when Chainsaw Part Two came out, which just it again reminds me how old I am because I saw Chainsaw before Chainsaw Two was even ever thought about, <laughs> and, and I I remember that it, it, like back in the day when VCRs first came out and they were like a thousand dollars a piece and they were like oh. the the size of a refrigerator, um, <laughs> I, I um. And I, I remember uh, I, I had I had saved up some money. I said, I got to, you know, I was, I don't even, even remember how old I was. I was maybe in junior high school, high school, something like that. I don't know. But um, I was living at home anyway. And my parents could not understand what a VCR was or what it oh, was good for. Concept? Yeah, they didn't get it. They didn't understand why it would it was going to be useful, you know, why it would ever be used. Um, so they didn't want to get one. So and they were like I said at the time they were like a thousand bucks and and so I said, Well, screw this, I'm gonna save some money and get some. So saved up some <laughs> money and, and I got a I got the VCR. And the very first tape I ever put into it was um this Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I went to the video store and got the the tape, and that was the very first movie I ever watched ever on VHS, on my very first VHS player. <laughs> had you seen it previous to that? I had not. That was had the you... first time I had seen it. It had just come out on video, and um, so was I it just something it. on the box art or something that, that was it the title that grabbed you or what? It yeah, it was. Well, I knew about it. You know, I I, I knew about ah. the film. Um, but just had never had a chance to see it because it it had come out before. I was never really a horror fan for a long time. I was never a horror fan, and mm-hmm. um, we'll forgive so, you for that. <laughs> so I I was never interested in seeing it before becoming a horror fan. So by the time it had it it had gone away. You know, and VHS didn't exist. There was no other way to see a movie again after it left, unless they just played it on television, which they were never going to play Chainsaw on television. Oh no! Um, so, <laughs> no. so once it left and was no longer screening anywhere, I never had the chance to see it. So, um, you know, years later, I become a horror fan, and now I want to see it. And it comes out on VHS, and so there we go. I, I grabbed it first. That was the first thing that went into my machine. <laughs> nice. That's a great goddamn story, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, that's 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 priceless right there. I'm trying to remember. I want to say the first the first VCR that my uh, my mother had gotten when I was young. The I remember we had a couple of tapes, but I think the first one we ever had was the Road Warrior. Nice. Yes, the Road Warrior, Empire Strikes Back, and Apocalypse Now. And I hated <laughs> Apocalypse Now as a kid because, you know, when you're six, seven, eight, nine years old, you, you don't get melodramatic movies about, you know, Vietnam and action-y kind of stuff like that. Right. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't understand. I'm like, why are they on a boat? Why, 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 is, what the hell's going on? I don't understand any of this. It wasn't until I was an adult that I appreciated that, but my, my first one was Road Warrior. I think the first one I sought out that I wanted, believe it or not, uh, and my mom wouldn't get it for me for many, many years, was Faces of Death. Oh, that yes. was one of the first one because I heard it had real stuff in it, and lo and behold, that it was ninety nine percent of that was not real. But <laughs> <laughs> and none, neither was none of the sequels. I was like, remember watching it as a, finally getting to watch it. And I'm like, oh, this what 
I would much rather watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was more real to me than anything on Face of the Death. Exactly, exactly. I think I, I think I rented Faces of Death from the same video store that I got Texas Chainsaw from. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, and it was and it was so weird that you know it's it's so odd that so many years later, you know, after seeking out that movie and that being the first thing in my machine and all that kind of stuff, that you know I got to know all these guys, you know, Gunner and Ed and Marilyn Burns and uh, you know Pam and and all them. Um, I become friends and John Dugan and, you know, got to work with all of them in films and stuff like that. So it's just, it's, it's, we, it's another one of those weird kind of full circle moments for me in entertainment to where, you know, there was, there was this, uh, this event basically in my life of the, the first time I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre on my first VCR and all that um, to coming full circle to uh, hanging out with all those guys all the time. So. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, uh, let's face it, I'm on my first movie I ever worked on. It came from Trafalgar. You know, I got to give it up to Solomon Mortimer for giving me my first chance on that one. But I I got to be Gunner's assistant for three days. That was an amazing experience, you know, and that's something I'll never forget because I, I always go back to thinking to myself, I'm like, I was once that 12-year-old kid discovering, you know, <laughs> leather face for the first time like anybody else and one day i'm you know show from around set and you know taking them to dinner and like helping them read lines and getting killed by them on camera you know <laughs> like i just got killed by fucking leather face yes this just <laughs> happened and, and gunner is such a gentle soul such a gentle teddy bear and 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 all he that was. you know it, yeah he he just uh, it, it's funny because he was telling me um uh, you know, when when the movie came out, and uh, he went on a date with a girl, and, and you know, and everybody has these these ideas of kind of what horror actors are. Every, everybody in that movie is just like the, the kindest souls, um, but especially Gunner. And he he was telling me um, that he was he was dating this girl, and 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 she knew he was in the movie, and she wanted to go see the movie. And so they went to the theater and saw the movie, and I don't think she ever spoke to him again after that. But <laughs> <laughs> and what but a story to, she's probably got to tell. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it, people don't get it that these are, you know, they're they're movies, and and most horror people are just the kindest, gentlest people in the world. You know, most of them are. Uh, all the ones I've met have been pretty stellar, and you know, I mean. Working with, uh, I mean, I, I haven't got to work with John. I want to rectify that one day, Mr. Dugan. But, uh, you know, having worked with Ed and worked with Gunner and just gotten to hang out with them and and especially getting to meet Jim Sedow. I got to meet him when I was, I think I was 16 at one of the final final shows that he had ever done. And just getting to talk with him one-on-one. -on -one. He, he's, he was a larger-than-life character. He's, yeah. he, he, he was a crazy old coot god. I loved him. But, they, you know, you just got to realize they're just regular people. The guy underneath that Michael Myers mask isn't really a psychopath. He's a guy earning a paycheck and, and learned his lines and learned his marks and just like anybody else. Yeah, I don't get what goes on in people's heads that they think that, you know, actors are, 
are the characters they play. I, I, I don't. I will never understand that. I don't know how many times a couple couple things jump out of my head with with me even is um, you know I started before I got into acting in the movies and stuff like that. I I toured as the youngest professional magician and did a lot of stage magic and stuff like that, and. You know, I would do the zigzag routine on stage, which is where you cut a girl in three pieces and take her apart and, you know, put her back together. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I don't know how many times people would come up to meet me after shows and stuff, and they would be like, you, that's just a trick, right? You're not, it's no kind of voodoo, weird kind of thing like you're doing. I'm like, really? You really believe that I just cut this woman up and put her back together and she walked out? What what goes through your head? It's, you know, and it's the <laughs> same thing with these, the horror actors and stuff like that. They're, they're you know, they like think that, that these people really do that and they're afraid to meet them and they're, you know, oh, he's scary. It's, it's, it's weird. I, it's funny because I, you, you probably remember my old um, PT Cruiser that I had, which I called the Zombie Mobile because I had yeah. zombie, zombies yeah, I remember, played on I it. I remember cruising in that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, so, so I had, you know, I had a custom plate on it that said zombies and that I had made for, uh, from the state. And, um, and I, I remember going to going to the DMV to to pick up the the plate when they said it was ready to be picked up. And I, I walked in and I said, you know, I'm, I'm Jim O'Rear, I'm here to get my, my zombies license plate. And everybody in the place just like stopped and turned their head and looked at me and they just stared and it got quiet. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And And the clerk says, well, you're not at all what we expected to walk through the door to get a zombie's license plate. And I'm like, <laughs> like what did they expect? Exactly. What are you expecting? Dr. Mengula? What's this whole horror mentality that, you know, horror people are crazy. And, you know, I told him, I, I like, it's, it's an interest. It's not a lifestyle or something like that. I mean, come on. <laughs> and the thing is, you could. There are people who live it like a lifestyle, but there's they're also very just normal. They're normal functioning people with jobs and and bills and families and you know the same routines that everybody else has. You know, they put their pants on in the morning and they get up and do their thing. It's you know, it's it's just it's just art, people. <laughs> I never I understood if you're not if you're not moved or a little disturbed by it, then it's probably not art. But that's, that's all it is. Exactly, but uh, <laughs> but this movie this satisfies on all 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 levels. Uh, God, we've talked about so much about it, but I feel like there's still so much that we haven't covered. You know, I mean, let's let's face it: the first time the chainsaw gets fired up, you're expecting you know you're expecting a bloodbath that you don't get. It cuts away for a movie that's been so lambasted by critics for being so violent that it cuts away. You never see it. You got the the infamous dinner scene, which is probably probably I, I imagine has got to be the scene where the uh, most of the critics and most of the ratings boards had their their problems <laughs> with <laughs> the, the, the the screaming and, and the the bludgeoning and the the bloodletting and whatnot. And then you got oh god, you, you you really can't talk about this movie without talking about that dinner scene. And I know yeah. for a fact from uh, listening to documentaries. Listening to people like Gunner and John Dugan, who was grandpa, talk about it, that was a hard fucking scene to film. Then the food was literally like 
cooking and like petrifying as it was being sent set out because it was like 110 120 yes. degrees in the house <laughs> can you imagine how that place must have smelt man oh yeah and poor gunner i don't you know, know if i want talk. to imagine it <laughs> yeah poor poor gunner he would talk about you know being behind that mask also and all that rotting meat and stuff that's just like cooking in the 100 degree heat inside that house and all that rotting meat coming up under that mask and not being able to get fresh air and just like oh. the, just how sick it made him <laughs> the entire time <laughs> they, they, they should have gotten better they should have gotten some percentage deals for for making that movie they they good lord knows they deserved it right but yeah there are yeah i mean those, all those scenes the dinner scenes the i mean the 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 change that the when, when they 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 hang the girl on the hook is another iconic thing um that just stands out and of course Gun- gunner's dance at the end you know this chainsaw dance the, the chainsaw dance that it was so good that they tried to mimic that at the end of part two right you know with with, <laughs> with stretch i think you're gonna know where our ratings is probably gonna come in and we might as well go ahead uh we've already summed up the movie i don't know there's really a whole lot more we could can say about about it without making this a two-parter um, <laughs> yes. we usually, uh, you know, we usually rate movies here on a one to 10 scale basis. And this is the first time I'm going to completely obliterate my usual one to 10 scale. I cannot give, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre a 10. It's going to be the first movie that I have ever actually given an 11. I'm going to break <laughs> the rules. It's one of the few movies. Uh, there's going to be a very few handful of movies that, to me, because it, it's, it's one of the few movies that cranked the dial up to 11. Yeah, yeah, it cranked it up to 11, and, you know, it it, des- it, it deserves an 11. I'm not sure if, if you're on the same page as me, but I, I feel that, that that's fair. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's fair, especially in, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it's low budget. Yeah, it's gritty. It's it's yeah, it's it it's um, uh, melodramatic acting, that kind of thing. You know, some kids may watch it today and go, "What's the big deal?" Um, but when yeah, you take that, that movie for the time that it came out, right from the time that it came out, what they did, what they were working with, and the the significance of that film to the horror genre and movie making overall. Um, it, it, there's, there's not a whole lot that, that compares to it. Um, you know, there's, there's very few, I think that really changed, um, horror films and that's, that's one of them. So yeah, it deserves the uh, 11 ranking. <laughs> yeah. If, if there's, you know, any other movies that have, uh, you know, I can't think any off the top of my head right now, because once again, the, as you put it, old age and concussions is, comes comes to mind so i can't think of anything right now really you know halloween is probably one of the only other ones that i can think of that is about in the in the same category you know there are is is no such thing as a perfect film i I, there's just nothing that's perfect there's always something to pick apart there's always uh, you know a water bottle left behind or a tripod left somewhere (laughs) or something that you just don't like or a character like paul partain you know like (laughs) <laughs> that you're just like you know they could have died sooner but still you know it's as perfect as they come and you know this is probably if we're doing one of the big ones first and this you know to call it the big one is 
it's the big kahuna. I mean, yeah, as far as grindhouse exploitation films go, is there any better? I really don't know that there is. Yeah, it, it's a big one. It's it's right up there. And I I think I mean you can look back in in history and see certain uh, you know certain benchmarks that are set. I think you know like the original Night of the Living Dead um, was a, a very um, important. Um, and then uh, definitely Chainsaw and Halloween coming out after that. Very important films. Um, and then moving on from that, you kind of go, mm, well, okay, Friday the 13th um, set a certain standard. Um, and then uh, and then you get into, um, I think after that, probably Nightmare on Elm Street, which changes things a little bit but kind of goes a little mainstream and then we get back to the indies when indies decided they were going to take back over and uh right change film again with like Stuart gordon's reanimator um i think all of those um are pretty significant for the times they came out but um but i i don't know that any of them were as uh powerful or as important at the time that uh, as chainsaw was you know, I, I can't top anything you said. I you <laughs> you pretty much hit the nail on the head with the jackhammer on that one. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm really yeah, I'm kind of dumbfounded right now. I'm I'm, I'm stupefied. I got <laughs> uh, we're gonna edit that part out, folks. No, but uh, in all truth truthfulness, the yeah, this is the big Kahuna. This is uh, as they would say, the goat is the greatest of all time. It's it. You know, there there might be a few other movies that rank up there pretty close, but you know there are certain movies uh, that hold the heavyweight championship title, and this one and Leatherface and Gunner hold the championship title. Yes, yes. On that note, I think we'll call this an evening, folks. It's uh, getting late out here in La La Land. This has been C- Cinema Degeneration, and I am your host, Cameron Scott. And this is my co-host, Jim O'Rear, and we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Jim, you have a good evening. Thanks for uh, co-hosting with me, and hopefully we can have you on again soon sometime. Definitely. Thanks for having me, and I hope to do it again soon. And I'll leave you with this. Look what your brother did to the door. (laughs) Nice.